Friday. Welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and Delta 8. If you're looking for something to help with pain, anxiety, or simply an opioid alternative, uh, check out what Artisan Botanicals has to offer. Plus, we're saving you 15% when you order online. Abotanicalcompany.com. Use the discount code Colby Show, C O L B Y S H O W. Discount code Colby Show to save 15% off your online order at abotanicalcompany.com. All right, it is Friday. Normally we do a draft Friday, but uh, had to shake things up a little bit this week. We did the mock draft yesterday. Uh, Will Brewer and I usually do our MMA show every Thursday, so we had to flip flop those two things. And then that will actually happen again in two weeks. The week of the NFL draft, the first round is on Thursday night. Aaron Davis and I are going to be at Chalk and Chisholm Creek uh, doing a live broadcast throughout the first round of the NFL draft. So if you're looking for a place to watch the draft, you're welcome to come hang out there. It's going to be a ton of fun. There's going to be some giveaways, uh, and I'll have some more information uh, about that next week. But uh, we're going to flip-flop uh, Will and I's day that week as well. So make sure you uh, mark that down if you are one of our regular Thursday uh, listeners. Uh, so anyway, let's get to it uh, this week with Will Brewer. Happy Friday, Will Brewer. What is happening, my friend? It's a little later in the week than we normally talk. Yeah, man. Um, I'm excited, man. It's It's been a crazy week for me, kind of. Um, I got the uh, second dose of the COVID vaccine. So um, I'm a little... Uh, a little sore to say the least, but you know, I'm powering through. <laughs> okay. Okay. I think we talked, did we talk last time the day after I had mine? Oh yeah. You were all messed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. From head to toe, just sore as could be. Uh, yeah. Yeah. See, uh, for me, my shoulder is definitely more, uh, a lot more sore than it was the first time. And now like my back, like out of nowhere, I feel like I'm <laughs> goodness, man. But other yeah. than that, I'm pushing through. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, we actually, we have a lot to hit um, going back to last week. Uh, obviously a lot to hit with uh, tonight's Bellator 250. Uh, is it 257? I think. Um, yeah. 257. Two, I think it's 256, 256 or 257. I, I can't remember. Anyway, uh, Bellator tonight with, with a couple of really big fights at the top of the card. Um, and then obviously the UFC back tomorrow night. Can I just say first and foremost, Look, I love that the UFC is on ABC. I love that they have that massive platform. I hate afternoon MMA. Man, I just needed uh, to get that off my chest. I'm not a fan of afternoon MMA. Yeah, I mean, I guess just with them being on ABC and you know capitalizing on the on that audience, I guess that plat that time frame is like just what's best for them because normally when the NBA is on ABC. They'll either do like on Sundays, they'll be on uh, what, 2.30. So I think they're kind of using that yeah. um, as an example, I guess. But, you know, for me, I, I kind of like the afternoon, but, you know, I'm in a different situation than you are, of course. Right. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> I, I mean, I can watch it at any point and be uh, good with it. But you obviously have a lot more that you would have to like do before you can sit down and watch the fights in an afternoon set. Yes, very true. <laughs> very true. Um, not only not only do I have more to do, uh, where it's nice when it's at night, because by that point, you know, I've finished up, like, mowing the yard and all the just, you know, the the house chores that, that you have to do on the weekend anyway. But the, I, the main thing is, like, in the middle of the afternoon, my four-year-old son wants to play t-ball. 
right? So it's like, we're in the backyard. I'm sitting on the back porch. I've got the fights on. I'm, you know, I'm like, all right. And he's like, daddy, come play catch with me or come, you know, let's play T-ball. And like, how do you, you know, you can't just be like, no, man, you're good. Like go play by yourself, (laughs) you know? So it's like, so I'm trying to like kind of pay attention to what's happening while also like entertaining him and playing with him. Whereas when we have these fight cards at night, by that time he's winding down, you know, he's had a full day of activity He's either in bed or he's, you know, on his tablet watching a, a cartoon and and I'm able to just like completely pay attention to what's happening. And here's the other thing. This is where I think this sport for me is so much different than any other sport that I'm a fan of. If I'm watching a baseball game, like it's not the end of the world if again, example, like he he wants me to get him make him a sandwich. Like if I walk away from watching like two pitches, I, like the, nothing drastically changes in the fourth inning most of the time. If I have to walk away in the fourth inning of a baseball game and make him a sandwich, same thing with like basketball. If it's the second quarter with eight minutes to go, like if there's a massive dunk or something, they're going to show the replay. But in terms of the game, like the game doesn't potentially end when I walk away for two minutes. So <laughs> with this sport, like that's the other thing is like, he's like, Hey, I need something. And then, you know, if you, if you like leave the room for a second, you may come back and the fight's over and you're like, I missed the end. What the hell happened? Completely different fights on. You're like, what the hell? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I, I, I am a nighttime MMA fan. Again, that's just simply based on my situation. I, I've just, I, I've always appreciated having the build up to it anyway. And then, you know, it's, I don't know for me, I, I like it that way. I get a lot of people that, that would prefer it in the daytime and certainly they're going to get better ratings. I assume on Saturday afternoon than they would on Saturday night. But uh, for my personal enjoyment, thank God it's back. 6 p.m. prelims, 9 p.m. main card, central time. I am set. (laughs) Yeah, so, like, for someone like me, um, you know, I can go ahead, watch the fights in the afternoon, then still have my whole Saturday night to do whatever I want. But, you know, normally when the fights are on so late and someone's like, hey, do you want to go do this? Want to go do that? And I'm like... Uh, can we go like to uh, can we go here and watch the fights? Like, is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I'm always wanting to do something that where I can at least like watch the fights and you know socialize at the same time. So, you know, for me, the afternoon, I mean, I would prefer it. Well, maybe not even prefer it. I could I could work my schedule around like whatever's happening, whatever time that the the cards on. So, you, you know, for for me. Um, the fact that it's on at nine o'clock, I'm sure I'm going to have someone hit me up on Friday or today talking about, Hey, um, you want to go do this tomorrow? Want to right. go do that tomorrow? And I'll, and I'll just say, Hey, is there, are they showing the fights? Let's go somewhere where they're showing the fights. <laughs> so <laughs> that's just me. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. But yes, we are, we are back in prime time on Saturday night for Whitaker Gastelum UFC fight night. And if I'm not mistaken, this is the basically last card that is going to be fanless. Correct. Yeah, well, I don't know if they're gonna do if they're gonna like for the fight nights keep doing it uh, at the apex. Oh, that's or, yeah, that's uh, right, that's right. I don't think I know. I know, pay, I know. Pay per view wise, they're gonna. Dan is definitely all in on the fans. You know, wherever he can sell it out, he's gonna he's gonna go there. And you know, now that um, Vegas is probably opening back up soon, um, he's probably gonna have a lot of cards back at the T-Mobile Arena. So. Uh, as far as the pay-per-views, definitely fans, but, you know, we'll see what happens with the fight nights. Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier 3 sold out in seconds today is what I saw on Twitter. Seconds. It sold out in seconds, Will. 
Hey, that's just the Conor McGregor effect, man. I mean, and and now, um, of course, we'll touch on this, but you know, there's some there's some bad blood in there, so um, it, it's definitely added a new layer. Bad blood. So, yeah, yeah, and I told and I told you that, you know, yeah. <laughs> bad blood. So, I mean, I guess it's added a new layer where fans kind of are picking sides. So, yeah, um, I can't wait for it, man. It's going to be exciting. Yeah. The, the second fight that took place back in January, I, I, I look, a lot of people didn't like how cordial it was. A lot of people didn't like the respectful version of Conor McGregor. Uh, it was a massive fight because Conor McGregor was a part of it, but Conor McGregor lost. There was no way they were going to get to a trilogy fight without there being some shenanigans, if you will, without there being some sort of, of outside-the-octagon adversity uh, to maybe add into the whole selling of this fight. Like, as soon as I saw, and you you even text me this same information, and I think we were just on the same page here, but as soon as I saw the Poirier comment about the charity <laughs> thing, and then Connor, like, coming back, I was like, okay. Like, they're selling the fight. That's This is, this is what big-time fighters do. They sell the fight, and this is what is happening. They're selling the fight. I do think it's amusing. There are a lot of people that are like, ooh, we're going to have bad blood this time around. And look, I'm sure there is some bad blood because nobody wants to lose uh, and and then face the other guy and, and not feel some sort of way about it. But this whole idea that all of a sudden these guys hate each other over this like charity thing and that going sour and like, I don't know, maybe that did happen. I, I'm not going to pretend to be on the inside of that situation, but it definitely feels very staged for a, to, to help sell a trilogy fight. Yeah, uh, I agree. It definitely felt staged. Like with everything that Dustin said, it just came out of nowhere. Uh, Connor was talking about um, a prediction and then Dustin just completely out of left field throughout the whole um, charity stuff. And then, you know, for me, it just gives Connor an opportunity just to, you know, call him whatever he called him, a hillbilly or whatever. It just it, it, it allowed for Connor to just go off on Dustin and just, you know, bring back that side of him that everyone loves. So, um you know, as soon as I saw it, I was like, man, they're just trying to add something for yeah. this third fight because, you know, we know what happened in the second fight. Connor lost. So, you know, now we got the, you know, Connor's back being his old self, talking noise to Dustin. Uh, they'll probably have a presser and Connor will be acting crazy again. So um, I think they wanted to add that layer. And now that there's fans back, especially, you know, casual fans who who will definitely believe all of this that's happening. Like, oh, Connor didn't pay his charity like he said he would. You know, Connor's not a man of his word. Or, you know, Dustin, you know, didn't know where to put the money. You know, so many things, you know, for, for us, we're like, oh, come on, man. They're, they're just trying to sell the fight. But, yeah. you know, for the for the other fan, you know, they're probably like, oh, I'm so ready to see this Connor's back. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then, like, the whole fake threat of pulling the fight away from Poirier and – trying to find a new opponent and yeah it was just like okay and then the next the very next day it's made official like yeah. okay yeah. okay yeah um I, I i appreciate the effort guys like you know we we love when when fights are built up you know in a certain way and obviously connor knows how to build fights up so i i do appreciate the effort but um i'm, I'm not falling for it there's the, the you know it's it's part of the shtick and uh, I appreciate it, but that's all it is for me, at least. Yes, uh, same for me. I think they tried to to add a little something to it. They wanted to make it something that was kind of believable. Like, what can you, what can Dustin say that will get Connor back in that uh, in that lane? And you know, Dustin bringing up you know his charity because that's something that that Dustin is really passionate about. And you know, 
Connor's, you know, Dustin's questioning his man, you know, like, come on, man, I'm a man of my word. So uh, I think just adding that layer to it, it's going to, you know, for the casual fans, it's going to make them want to buy it. And it sold out in a second. So it's, yeah. it's funny that that this all happens right before the ticket sale and everything. So I don't yeah. know. That's just me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so so I mentioned this weekend, big weekend. We have Bellator 257. We have uh, Whitaker Gastelum fight night in Vegas before our next pay-per-view a week from Saturday. There's another big fight event happening this weekend. And I'm curious what your what your situation is going to be Saturday night and how you potentially prioritize Kelvin Gastelum and Robert Whitaker in the middle of the octagon versus... Fighting for the entire mixed martial arts community, Ben Askren against Jake Paul. <laughs> oh man! Um, well, what, what I prioritize, I definitely want to. I definitely uh, want to see what Ben and Jake do. You know, just it's intriguing in itself. You know, uh, Ben, who's terrible at striking, to go <laughs> box a YouTube star who knocked out a, a basketball player. I mean. Bro, 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 okay. hold on, hold on, hold on. I think you are understating what Jake Paul did to Nate Robinson just a little bit. Just a <laughs> okay. little bit. Come on. Okay, but okay, but look, Nate went in there with no technique. He went in there just like, I'm going in there to in, for a street fight or whatever. And Jake Paul definitely has, you could tell he had been training. It just looked like Nate just was like, you know, I've, I've had a few fights in the street a few, uh, a few times maybe. And he just went in there, just no technique at all. Went in there and got dropped so many times. Like, ah, I don't know how much stock I put into it. But, you know, for me, I want to see what he does against the MMA guy. So. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. But uh, he, did, he didn't just knock out Nate Robinson. I mean, he completely annihilated Nate Robinson. He, oh, yeah. He drogoed Nate Robinson. <laughs> like, remember in Rocky Four, after, when, at the end of the fight, Apollo was face down. And yeah. he obviously dies, you know, following in, in that fight. Yeah. I mean, Nate Robinson looked like Apollo Creed at the end of that thing. He did. Uh, yeah, Jake Paul definitely flatlined him. Uh, definitely left him sleep. It was, it was, uh, it was bad. Yeah I'll, yeah, I'll say that. It was, okay. it was, it was definitely bad. But, you know, a, am I just going to come out and just be like, man, he knocked out Nate Robinson. Like, Jake Paul's that guy, man. We got to watch out for him. Nah, I don't know about all that. I mean, he definitely, you know, yeah. watching his technique, you can tell he has some technique. I'm not saying he's terrible. He has some technique, but, yeah. you know, if he's as good as he's, as people think, and, you know, a lot of people are going to be tuning in to watch this, I mean, we, we're putting him in there with Ben Askren, <laughs> who is an Olympic wrestler, great and everything, who's fought MMA, who's fought some of the baddest guys, who used his wrestling his whole career. Yeah. But when it came to striking... When it came to watching Ben Askren strike, it was not the most delightful thing in the world. That's how, that's how I'll, right. <laughs> I'll put it. Watching him in a basically a striking match with Damian Maya, it was, uh, yeah, yeah, it was bad. So, really bad. I mean, we'll see what happens, but you know, I would much rather see a very intriguing matchup with Robert Whitaker and Kelvin Gastelum. I feel like I want to see what happens in the first round of Ben Askren, Jake Paul, and then after that, I'll. If if these fights are happening at the same time, my eyes is definitely going to be on Rob and uh and Kelvin Gastelum. I would be lying to you if I if I told you anything other than the fact that I'm going to have two screens going because, <laughs> look, if you want to talk about how to sell a fight, 
Congratulations to Ben Askren and Jake Paul. They've sold me on this thing. Like, I'm interested. Is it going to be top-level boxing? Absolutely not. But they've created a storyline that has me intrigued, right? It's it's Ben Askren, not that he is, but they've created this narrative that he's representing MMA against boxing, right? And and whether you think Jake Paul is a legit boxer or not, again, that's kind of the creative the, the narrative that has been created and and they've hooked me. I'm I'm curious to see what it looks like. Uh I also I, I think the other two things, their personalities in the build up to this fight have shown through. Like Ben Askren's just such a goof that yeah. like I don't know, like having him on the other side of this guy that's just so easy to to hate in Jake Paul. Like it's it's just the the wildest scenario. I'm I'm totally intrigued to see what happens. And look, I, I I'm not gonna. Jake Paul doesn't need anybody to to proclaim how great he is because he'll do that himself. But I do think it's fair to at least say like the guy knocked out Nate Robbins. I don't care who it is. Like not everybody walking down the street can just knock people out, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I mean, on some level, there at least has to be that appreciation. So I, again, I don't know how great he is. Nate Robinson didn't look like he was the most skilled boxer ever, but he did go to sleep. So I, I think, you know, giving, giving Jake Paul his due just in the sense that he's capable of knocking a guy out, then I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, I mean, credit to Ben Askren, right? Because he definitely sold this thing um, on his, on his show and Absolutely. Like everywhere he does interviews. Absolutely. Like, he definitely, he definitely took on that role as like, man, I'm going to sell this fight. Um, he, he basically knew what to do because he's been in the UFC. He knows how to get under someone's skin. He, you see what he did to Masvidal. That kind of worked against him, but, you know, yeah. So yeah, uh, definitely made Masvidal uh, really upset. And he did the same thing with uh, Jake Paul. Yeah. So, uh, you know, credit to Ben Askren. But, you know, I mean, I, I'm curious to see, like, Ben Askren in a, in a boxing stance for an extended period of time because, uh, you know, we know how his how – his, you know, style was with MMA, you know, he had a, a wrestling base. He uh, knew how to protect himself and everything, but with him not being able to use his wrestling and strictly having to use his hands, that's what really intrigued me about this fight. Um, I know Jake Paul's got the power, but you know, I, I'm like, what if Ben Ashkin like knocks him out? Like right. <laughs> what's going to happen? Right. Then? Like, yeah, so that kind of know, ends I, I, these celebrity Jake Paul events, right? I mean, if Ben Askren wins this, there's no way that that that's going to sell again. Yeah, absolutely, it definitely ends it. But then, but then again, if Jake Paul knocks Ben Askren out, then you got a whole list of MMA guys who oh, are literally yeah. like, I would slap this shit out of Jake Paul right. and and his brother. Well, because he's going to say that MMA fighters are, you know whatever he's going to say about them and that, and obviously it's Ben Askren who's, who might be the worst striker in the UFC when he was active. Uh, so yeah, yeah there are going to be a bunch of MMA guys. Look, maybe Conor McGregor is one of these guys that says, you know, you want to do a super fight and we want to make a big money deal. Uh, I don't know if you caught this, but Ryan Garcia said that he, if, if Conor McGregor and Jake Paul fight, he would put a hundred K on McGregor not ju- not knocking Jake Paul out. He's like, he may win. I don't know what the outcome would be, but he's like, there's no way that that dude would knock Jake Paul out. 100,000, wow. Okay. Well, I mean, hey, he's got, a, he's got a big-time boxer on his side. I mean, I guess that goes for something. But, uh, man... 100k though man like okay. have you seen conor McGregor? have you seen conor mcgregor man like ah uh, 
I mean, and, and Connor, he he uh, held his own against Floyd. You know, those yeah. first four rounds, you know, you could say Floyd was just messing around with him. But, you know, Connor went out there and, and he he tried to fight him, you know. So. But on the other hand, Floyd never looked like he was in danger. Yeah, yeah. Floyd was never in yeah. danger. But, you know, I, and he, he was definitely probably letting Connor land some of those punches. But I'm just saying, like, Connor went forward and was in his face and was trying to land yeah. some stuff. And, you know, probably won some of those rounds. Who yeah. knows? So. I don't know. It, it, it's all intriguing to me. I, I, I'm. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. I. 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 They got me, man. They got me. I'm ashamed to admit <laughs> it, but they got me. I'll, I'll be. Uh, I'll be paying attention to Jake Paul, Ben Askren, as well as UFC Fight Night. So, look, I'm excited about this card. Um, we will go back and and review last week's card. Um, a, a few quick announcements, real fast, that that happened since the last time we recorded. Um, let's see. Where do we start? How about Jimmy Flick? Let's start here. Uh, just, you know, fellow Oklahoman, um, a guy that I was really high on. I, I We talked about it, I think, at the end of 2020 when we were talking about, like, maybe awards for the year. I thought he had the best submission of 2020. He was uh, he was fantastic. He was a guy that, that won on Contender Series. I thought not only was his performance impressive, but the story that they gave us of Jimmy Flick along with his performance on Contender Series, I thought really set him up uh, to, to have a, a big-time chance to, to make some waves in, in the UFC. Um, he joins Ariel Hawani earlier this week, announces his retirement. Dude, that was, that was deep. It was obviously heartfelt. Uh, I was like, wow. Um, massive, massive respect for Jimmy Flick. Yeah, man, that's that's tough. I mean, when the announcement came out, I was like, "What? Like Jimmy Flick retired? Like Jimmy Flick just started fighting in the UFC? Yeah, one and zero in the UFC? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, is, is something wrong with him? Like, is there some type of condition? Like, I was uh, looking for that. And um, when I when I watched that interview, man, like, yeah, man, I, that's that's really deep stuff, man. Like, I couldn't imagine, um, you know, going through a um, going through my career and knowing that my father's are there. Cause you know, I can kind of relate to it in the sense of my dad was my, uh, was my high school coach. And then if like, he just would have completely like stopped, uh, following me or like, you know, checking up on me or whatever the case is like after I left high school, yeah, you know, that, you know, I would have felt that for sure. And like, say I made it to the NBA and like, he didn't even care to like have a relationship with me or something like that. Um, I definitely would have felt that. And, you know, like, you know, Jimmy Flick, you know, his he's for him to say, like, my dad and my brother, I don't have that type of relationship with them. And, you know, just that just goes to show like family, that's that should be everything. That should be what comes first. And, you know, for him to turn down money, turn down um, opportunities. You know, he was one and in the UFC, uh, had a big time submission. You know, the sky was the limit for him. You know, he was going to, you know, go and fight Davidson Figueredo's brother. Right. You know, he wins that fight. He can just call out the champion. And who knows? You know, he could be next line for a title shot, you know, especially if it's a, another big submission. So, like, for him to, you know, just turn down all of the massive opportunities that he had to focus on family, you know, focus on his own family, um, his wife and his kids. And then his uh, wanting to have that relationship with his father and, uh, and uh, his brother and everything. It's just, you know, I was just a lot of deep stuff. Uh, man, I couldn't imagine, man. Yeah. If you haven't heard it, um, I would just recommend listening to it. Uh, Jimmy Flick again for and and for anybody in Oklahoma, obviously where where we are, uh, it you know he's he's uh, outside of Tulsa in the Tulsa area. Um, 
I, I just, wow. It was, it was very deep. It was, I, I think the thing that probably impressed me more than anything is the fact that, and, and I think a lot of people have been in this situation throughout the pandemic. You know, people have, have in some ways had to stare themselves in the mirror in, in a lot of ways and, and recognize personal demons and recognize a lot of things that I think before the pandemic was, were easier to maybe just stuff down and, you know, you just kind of keep trucking through your regular life. And for him to not only, and, and again, if you listen to it, then um, I, I don't want to give it all away, but for him to not only recognize, I think, some of the obstacles that he's facing in his life, but to take action on them as well. I, I was just like, wow, that's that's really impressive, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, it's very impressive for him to make uh, a decision like that at such a young age at that and for him to just know like um with or without this i'm still good man like i have my wife i have my kids i'm still good that's the most important thing to me um for him to uh to realize that you know for him to be that young uh, you know most people that age would yeah. wouldn't even care you know they're they're chasing fame all the, all and the money dollars and, all yeah. the fame yeah they're, they're chasing that for sure so um yeah, man, it's just tough for Jimmy Flick, but, uh, you know, I'm me personally, I'm, I'm happy for him that he made that decision. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, again, yeah, check that out. I think Ariel Hawani uh, tweeted out the the full uh, video, or I don't know if it's available on podcast or not, but you can find it on Twitter um, by by just going to Ariel's Twitter account. So, uh, I, it was, yeah, I, I like text you, but you, you had sent that link to me, and... I took the 30 minutes or whatever it was to listen to it. And I text you back. I was just like, good Lord, that was so deep and so unexpected. I wasn't expecting it to really go to that depth. Uh, and again, for him to, uh, you know, to identify what it was that was hurting him and to take action. I, I just have a ton of respect for him. Um, all right. What else happened this week? We have uh, the official announcement of Glover Teixeira and uh, and and Jan uh, Blahovich for the light heavyweight title. This is going to happen, I believe, in September. Uh, we knew this was going to be the fight, so it's not like this is breaking news. But I guess they they made the fight official this week. I love this fight, Will. I, I think these are two of the most likable contenders in the entire sport. Oh man, if you're looking for uh, bad blood, if you're looking for some trash talk. Uh, this is not the fight. <laughs> <'Cause> these, <laughs> this is not the fight for that. Uh, Jan uh, and Glover both are very respectful. Yeah. Um, there's going to be like some really competitive intensity because, you know, this is a title fight and that's what comes with it. But as far as, you know, bad blood or anything like that, you won't get it with this fight. But They, they might just, spend the entire press conference like talking the other guy up. Like, yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Glover's going to talk about, man, man uh, Jan, he's one of the best. Right. And then, you know, Jan's going to say, you know, I love Glover. He does this. He does that. Right. You know, it's going to be that type of thing. Just a, just a love fest. And people are going to be like, oh, I don't want to see this. No, I'm kidding. But, yeah, uh, it's going to be a very fun fight. Um, the styles, um, very intriguing. You know, Glover's looked really good. You know, for him to have just a resurgence. You know, he had a title shot, I believe, in uh, 2014, 2014 against John Jones. And then you kind of just thought, you know, he was really, really good, but, you know, you never thought that he would probably get back to that because, you know, John beat him pretty handily. So um, for him to work his way up, work his way back, he's, what, 43 now, and he's right back in, in the mix for the title shot. He's getting it now. He's beating some really, really tough guys uh, in fights that 
I, you know, we probably didn't even think he was going to win. You know, um, Thiago Santos, you know, I'm sure uh, me and you both were probably picking uh, Santos in that yeah, one. Absolutely. Because of, you know, how, because of how he fought John Jones just because of his style. And uh, uh, who did he beat before that? Uh, Anthony Smith. Anthony, yeah, Anthony yeah. Smith. He beat Anthony Smith. And that was, you know, Anthony Smith's coming off a title shot. And then he goes out there and gets completely dominated, you know, decimated for – how many, however many rounds? Well, remember that was so that was one of the first. I, I believe that was one of the first apex fights with nobody in in the building, and they had that. They showed that clip of Glover on top of Anthony Smith pounding his face and apologizing for it, and like <laughs> he's just like, "Sorry, man, you know I have to do this," and he's just like pounding his face, and it was just like, "Holy cow!" And I mean, what can you say to that? Like Anthony Smith, I'm sure he probably thought at first that Glover was talking noise to him. Yeah. You kind of hear Anthony like, what? Like and Glover's like, man, I'm sorry, man. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, man, it's just part of the game. Just, yeah, man. It's, it's just part of the game. Just the business. But, you know, uh, man, you know, Glover looking like that, his past two fights, like there's there's nowhere else for him to go. There's nobody else who deserved it more. Um, you know, and partly uh, it's probably best that Jan did beat Israel Adesanya because if Israel, if Israel would have won, that probably would have been worst case scenario for Glover. Who you know who's to say that Glover would have got the title shot you know this this soon? So um, it's best case scenario for Glover. You know Jan. You know I feel like he's definitely getting the rub as they say um, after fighting Izzy. You know capitalizing on that uh, momentum that he's on, and uh, it's going to be a fun fight. The styles mesh really well. Um, I'm excited for it. Yeah, that's going to be a great one. Uh, we also had the official announcement for the GOAT of women's MMA. And look, I think just beyond the women's side of things, I think she's in the conversation for MMA, period. Amanda Nunes, uh, Juliana Pena for uh, a belt. Uh, this is also, I mean, Pena asked for this. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the odds are going to look like. I don't know if there's. I'm sure somebody has put out some odds since this has been announced. But um, I, I would assume once again, Amanda's a massive favorite. Absolutely, uh, Amanda's going to be a massive favorite. But I will say, uh, if you're going to put somebody in there with a style that could give Amanda trouble, it's someone like Juliana Pena who's going to grapple, who's going to look to take her to the ground and make her and, and drain her, and uh, you know. These past few fights, you know, she's fought, you know, Megan Anderson, Jermaine Durandamy, Felicia Spencer. You know, they haven't really given her any type of, of a challenge, you know. And, you know, even before that, you know, the Holly Holmes of the world, Chris Cyborg, you know, they're not really testing her grappling. You know, they're really uh, – it's more of a striking-based fight, and that really favors Amanda Nunes in most uh, scenarios. You know, that's one of the reasons why she's the best. She's very well-rounded. But her last loss – uh, many many moons ago, um, it was against Kat Singano, and that's what Kat, and that's what Cat did. You know, she weathered the storm early, and then Amanda was drained. And for the next two rounds, Cat took her down and basically just had her way with her. And uh, I believe she got the finish. So um, you know, that was the last time she lost. And Juliana seems really confident. You know, she she brings up that fight. And, you know, she's been calling out Amanda for years. She's been saying, you know, fight me. You know, you, you, you're hiding behind your, your girlfriend or your wife or whatever. You know, just fight me. You don't want to, you know, you, you want to stay fat at 145. You know, after that interview, you know, that she did with Ariel, I don't think there was any other way. You know, there's, there's like some, some, some heat in this fight, yeah. which, you know, that, that doesn't really happen with Amanda. You know, everybody's really respectful of her. But Juliana's coming out of her with a completely different style. So, um, 
you know, it's going to be, I'm going to be interested to see how Amanda approaches the fight. You know, I wonder, I wonder if, you know, she's going to be thinking like, I'm just going to knock this, knock, knock this girl out, you know, or if she's just going to stay composed and just, you know, be the goat that she is and just take it to her. So, you know, if, if Amanda just goes out there and just kind of drains herself, then Juliana has a chance. But if yeah. not, you know, I fully expect Amanda to uh, just be the goat that she is and win it. Amanda opened at minus 1,000. She is currently minus <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> 1429. Oh, my gosh. Goodness. So, anyway, just to, just in case you uh, had any illusions about uh, this being, from an odd standpoint, a close fight, <laughs> it's not. Yeah. Um, well, you know, the UFC is going to try to do their best to sell this fight. And I know yeah. that what, with what everything that Juliana said. Yeah, the bad uh, blood thing is the way the to go. The bad blood yeah. is going to sell it. But, yeah, I mean, as far as the odds go, the odds are going to be what they are. I mean, she's going to open as a massive, massive favorite. Yeah. And, I mean, Juliana, she hasn't really shown much. You know, she won her last fight. But even before that, she's been submitted. And in, in that one fight to get to the title shot, she's kind of just, uh, you know, kind of choked it away. You know, against Durandamy, uh, she got submitted. Against Holly Holm. Not Holly Holm against uh, Valentina Shevchenko. She got submitted. If she would have won those fights, she would have got a title shot a long time ago. So, you know, this is a big spot for her coming off on one win. So, you know, we'll see what, how she does. But yeah. the odds are very are definitely warranted for sure. All right. Before we review last week, uh, I do want to mention uh, you uh, or excuse me, Bellator 257 is tonight. Um, the uh, the light heavyweight Grand Prix continues. Phil Davis is in action. Corey Anderson's in action. Uh, I, I'm pretty excited about this. I think they've done a good job of, of uh, especially with the two divisions that have had these these Grand Prix for the belt. Um, I, I think it's it's created a little excitement. Absolutely, because there's so there's so many fun matchups in both those divisions. Like featherweight, uh, we're at the finals now, and we got Pitbull versus AJ McKee, and that's that's such a fun Great and tricky matchup, fight. Yeah. And and then you got uh, here in the light heavyweight division, all of the new blood that's came in the Bellator. Um, and you and right away you're like okay we got enough people for a tournament and you just you know you make the tournament and there's so many fun matchups and then we're gonna get to see two of them tonight um, with uh, Phil Davis and Nimkov. Nimkov yeah and then you got uh, Corey Anderson and um, I don't even want to attempt to say the guy that he's fighting his name same I'm gonna leave the pronunciation to you do you want to give it a go no no I was about <laughs> to go for it but no that'll be a that'll be a butcher fest. So yeah, so Corey Anderson's got a pretty yeah. tough matchup uh, for sure. We're not gonna try to say his name; it's very tough. But um, Corey Anderson's got a tough matchup. But you know, he looked really good in, in his first fight against Melvin uh, Manoff. So you know, uh, you know, now we're gonna really get to, get to shine a light on that light heavyweight division. And then you know, these two fights are just setting up what's coming in the, uh, in a few weeks with uh, Rumble Johnson and Yoel Romero. Like that fight's gonna be insane. Yeah, I about said rampage. Uh, yeah, Rumble Johnson and Yoel. That's like I. That's, dude. That would. I think that would main event like a UFC fight night. Like eat still. Absolutely. For, yes. Yes, for sure. Like, um, that fight is so fun. Like on paper, like they ba- they're basically the same fighter. They both have power. They're both great wrestlers. But you know, are they really going to even try to take this fight to the ground? Like, is this going to be one of those snooze fests? Like, I really I hope, hope not. not. I really. I hope that Yoel's out of the whole uh, thing that he did with Izzy, you know, just standing there and, (laughs) you know, doing all that shit. But um, I hope that, you know, Rumble's going to bring it. Um, So we're just going to have to see, man. Uh, I I can't wait to see Yoel at 205, man. I mean, just to see, seeing how he looked at 185. 
Well, he he just and, looked way too big. For, like he just he, his muscles had muscles at 185. <laughs> yes, yeah. Like Yoel was so ripped. Yeah. Like at 185, it was so it was crazy. And then like Rumble, like Rumble has a very solid physique at 205, and I'm glad that he's going back down there. I'm glad he's not back up at heavyweight. I, I definitely feel like in Bellator, Rumble could be a two-division champion. I, I'm definitely not ruling it out, but um, Rumble at 205, man, he yeah. only lost to DC at UFC. Like, that was his only loss at 205 was to uh, Daniel Cormier, who's one of the greatest of all time. But he's beaten Alexander Gustafson, Glover Teixeira, knocked him out in like 30 seconds, uh, beat Ryan Bader in about a minute and a half. Uh, you know, so Rumble yeah. is, is, is tough, man. So I can't wait to see that fight. All right, let's rewind to last week's, or I should say uh, last Saturday afternoon's card. Once again, thanks to, uh, thanks to the UFC for putting us back in primetime this week. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, UFC on ABC. Marvin Vittori and Kevin Holland was your main event. Vittori was a massive favorite in terms of the odds. Um, just to give the scorecard on this, uh, you actually gained a point on the card. We picked four of the five fights the same. Um, the one we both missed was Mike Perry against Daniel Rodriguez. Daniel Rodriguez, by the way, uh, looked terrific. I mean, for the entirety of the fight, he was completely in control and uh, just outclassed Mike Perry on on the feet, uh, which I, I didn't I didn't see that coming. So credit Daniel Rodriguez for a really impressive performance. But we were both on the wrong side of that. And then the rest of the way, Will, you were uh, you were perfect. The one we differed on was the co-main event. I had Yusuf over Arnold Allen. You had Arnold Allen over Sadiq Yusuf. Uh, that was a pretty close fight, but uh, I, I think you know it, it went the way that it should have. I thought Arnold Allen was the better guy. Um, I think I even mentioned last week that. I thought stylistically this fight pointed toward Allen, but you know there was I, I, I like Sadiq Yusuf. I kind of felt like there was more from him that we're that we're still going to see, and I still feel that way. But uh, Arnold Allen, big time performance there. So let's uh, let's start with the main event: Marvin Vittori over Kevin Holland. There was uh, there was some build up to this fight as far as the bad blood. They didn't touch gloves when this thing started. Uh, I felt a tremendous amount of intensity inside the octagon when this fight started. And that first round was fantastic. Um, you had Kevin Holland showing off the striking. I think he stung Vittori multiple times in this fight. The problem was 90% of this fight was spent on the ground where Marvin Vittori completely dominated things. Um, I, I think my biggest takeaway from this, or my biggest two takeaways from this, number one, Vittori fought the fight that, that he should have. I think it's hard to penalize him for fighting that fight because that's the way to beat Kevin Holland. You saw Holland having success when they were on the feet. At the same time, I think when you walk away from that, it's hard to say Marvin Vittori is your number one contender for Israel Adesanya. It just didn't give you the warm and fuzzies in that way. Uh, so that that's the first thing. The second thing, I, I, I don't know if Kevin Holland is right for 185. I, I think... You know he 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 obviously knows jujitsu. Um, I, I think I think it's just a a, a size problem. I, I think you're looking at him facing these 185ers that are just significantly bigger guys. And and look, he could certainly improve his takedown defense. He could certainly improve his wrestling. But even if that stuff improves, I, I think the sheer size of the guys that he's fighting, especially these elite guys, 
is the biggest difference that I see that I, I don't know if he overcomes it, even if he improves those skills. To me, he seems like a guy that probably should be fighting at 170. Um, but all that said, I thought we saw Kevin Holland fight the kind of fight that we wanted to see him fight against Eric Brunson. He looked more focused. I thought he looked more dialed in. Once again, when it was on the feet, he looked fantastic. Uh, but uh, Marvin Vittori did what he should have done and took him down repeatedly. I think he set the middleweight uh, record for takedowns in a fight. So uh, it kind of went the way that we both thought it would. Yeah, man. Um, I will say, man, uh, Kevin Holland definitely uh, looked outstanding on the feet. Like, uh, that's what you wanted, wanted to see against Brunson. I really dialed in uh, Kevin Holland, who would just go in there and just, you know, showcase himself, not – not the big mouth, not trying to put on a show for the fans, you know, just go out there and be the, be your best self. So I feel like we definitely saw that um, from Kevin Holland. He definitely went in there focused and uh, he, he was trying to make the right adjustments. But, you know, there's just a level of wrestling that, you know, he just hasn't reached yet. And he's definitely going to have to work on that, whether he fights at 185 or 170. I feel like there's a lot of great wrestlers at 170. And while he's tall and might be able to um, – stuff more takedowns than, than he is at 185, that's um, that's a hole in his game that he's going to have to address, at least to be able to just keep it on the feet. You know, we, we were talking about Francis, how he just was able to stuff a couple of takedowns, stuff or stuff one takedown, and then, you know, everything else just became really, really dangerous. I feel like um, Kevin Holland's able to get some, t- some takedown defense. It really opens up a lot for him. But, you know, like you said, you know, I feel like one reason why Kevin Holland was able to fight so many times at um, at 185 in 2020 was because he wasn't cutting much weight. You know, I right. don't feel like he has to cut much weight to make 185. So I feel like if he, you know, just continues to train and everything, he's always ready for these fights. And so, you know, maybe he, he needs to put on some more size if he want, if he really wants to compete at middleweight. He's definitely got to put on some more size and, and just accept, you know, cutting some weight, you know, um, because, you know, Vittori, he's not known as a wrestler, you know, we know that he can wrestle. It's obvious that he can wrestle, but he's not known as a wrestler. That's why in the first round, it was mainly on the feet. But once he saw that he, that he was pretty much at a disadvantage, yeah. then he was like, all right, I know that I can wrestle and I know that he can't. So for the next four rounds, it was Vittori just not even, not even messing with the stand up and right. just taking Kevin Holland to the ground. And, uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like Derek Brunson because I feel like Derek Brunson didn't do much work when he got on the ground. Vittori was actually working. He was actually trying to lock in submissions. Uh, he was actually uh, landing punches on the ground uh, while Brunson was advancing and everything. But he doesn't he wasn't really doing too much. But you know, Vittori definitely did what he had to do to win. Uh, but like you said, and I completely agree on this. Um, that's not really a performance that's going to get you a title shot. You know, that's a performance where you're like, you know, that's good. But, you know, when you have a fight with Whitaker and Gaslam coming up and, you know, like that's going to be at least a war, um, you know, it just sucks because, you know, Vittori definitely proved that he was better than Kevin Holland over the course of five rounds. Right. By a significant margin. By a significant margin. But, you know, let's say that that fight was just a knockdown, drag out war for five rounds and then Vittori barely edged out a win. But that was like fight of the night or a fight of the year contender or something like that. We probably were talking about Marvin Vittori as like the next guy in line. Yeah, but absolutely. Instead, we're ta- but instead we're talking about him actually completely dominating the fight, but not 
that's not enough to get a title shot. So, you know, I see where he, where he would come from and say, like, I'm next for the title shot. But, you know, we know how the sport works, man. It, you know, we're, we're looking for excitement, um, you know, looking for uh, these these wars. And that's what Whitaker and Gaslam are, are known for. They're known yeah. for those wars. So uh, I feel like, you know, Robert Whitaker and Kevin Gaslam are in prime position you know, they do something spectacular or have a spectacular fight. Agreed. One of those two guys are definitely the next guy in line. Agreed. And and look, it's it's a what have you done for me lately sport anyway. So, uh, yeah. you know, you forget about what happened a week ago very easily in this sport. So if either one of those guys is to have an impressive performance on Saturday night, I, I'm with you. But look, if it's a, if it's a fight where neither guy really establishes uh, dominance and and it, it's sloppy and there's not a lot of fireworks. Then you know I think Vittori's right there in that conversation. And, and here's the other thing, and and this is something that I think gets overlooked in this sport a lot. But I, I do feel like Marvin Vittori in some ways is getting penalized for fighting in a fight that that potentially just could have been canceled. I mean, this thing could have just gone right. away, and Marvin Vittori didn't have to take on Kevin Holland, but he took on a guy. That is a a stand up. You know, we all want to see the the kind of you know Kevin Holland is the kind of fighter fights the kind of fights that most people want to see. So for Vittori to take on this fight on short notice, it makes sense that he would fight the fight that he fought and not stand up and and trade with Kevin Holland over the course of five rounds. And and look, I, I think he he probably loses that fight if that were to just be a completely stand up fight. So. He took the fight on short notice. He took the fight when it could have just gone away. And he did exactly what he should have done. And, you know, this is, again, the downside of the sport. And this is part of the problem when you when you have to sell fights to make money. Part of the problem is, even though you do everything right and do things the right way, it could potentially land you in this spot where it's like, is there a bunch of hype for Marvin Vittori after that fight to, to face Izzy? Does that fight really sell well? Uh, I, I don't think it does. So, you know, ma- matchups, matchmaking is so important in in the lead-up of getting title shots. And again, unfortunately, if that had been Darren Till, we know what kind of fight we were going to see. It wasn't going to be the, the right. fight we saw on Saturday night. Uh, and, and the winner of that, you know, I think gets gets a lot of momentum. Unfortunately, he just beat a guy that we saw get completely dominated about a month ago on the ground. So it wasn't going to be something that everybody was completely blown away by. So, yeah, I think it, I think it was a really tough position for Marvin Vittori anyway. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think uh, Saturday night, if if either Whitaker or Gastelum has an impressive performance, I think they're probably at the front of that line. Absolutely. I think, uh, especially with the finish, if either one of those guys get a finish, they're the next they're the next guy. If it's a war and, you know, it, you know someone's bleeding, yeah. you know, bloodbath at the end of the fight, you know, I feel like um, one of those guys will get it. But, yeah, it, it sucks for Marvin, right? Because, you know, he did everything the UFC asked him to do. He took a fight on short notice uh, that he, like you said, he didn't even have to take it. Yeah. You know, this whole card, this whole ABC card could have fell apart if Marvin Vittori wouldn't have right. held his end of the bargain and took the fight. So um, Against a dangerous stand-up guy. Yeah, against a dangerous stand-up guy. And, you know, I, I know that you're expecting, you know, after, especially after what Max Holloway did, on the first ABC card, you know, you want to see, right. you know, something to just rebound that, you know, and you want to see another war and you want to see uh, a, a very, you know, crazy performance like that. But, you know, Marvin Vittori, he wants the title shot, man. And he knows that, you know, these chances don't come often. He's right at the cusp of a title shot. So he's fighting a smart fight and you can't blame him for that. But, you know, for him to, you know, get penalized for, you know, getting the win in dominant fashion against a very dangerous guy, completely um, shot. 
you know, Kevin Holland came out in the first round and looked great. You know, he was trying to manage his distance, using his reach, uh, was kicking him, uh, was landing punches, was hurting Vittori. And then, you know, Vittori and just throwing him. stuff with bad intentions. I mean, I Absolutely. like that first round yeah. ended and like the hair on my arms and he- like everything, the hair just felt like it was standing up because there was just like every strike felt like there was just something behind it to, to potentially end it. It was, it was awesome. Absolutely. It, it, that was a crazy round. Like, um, you, you had a sense, like, if Vittori doesn't change anything, like, Kevin Holland's on the verge of probably finishing him because Kevin Holland was landing some yeah. really, really nasty strikes. Uh, but, you know, Vittori goes uh, to his coaches in the, in the, uh, after the first round, and, and I'm sure they're probably like, all right, we're going to have to take this guy down. You know, he doesn't have an answer for you on, uh, on the ground. So for the next four rounds, Vittori just proved that he was just better. He, he, set, he even set the record. Yeah, for most takedowns in, in the in the middleweight division's history. Yeah. And, you know, he's not getting credited for that because it, it's more of Kevin Holland being bad than Marlon, than Marvin Vittori being good. Right. So, you know, uh, you know, it's just it's just a tough situation for Marvin. So I guess we'll see what's next for him. Uh, but it all depends on what happens uh, with this next with this fight next Saturday Agreed. or tomorrow. Agreed. All right, so you picked up a point in the Arnold Allen Sadiq Yusuf fight. Our scoreboard now is thirty two twenty eight. What did you think of that fight? I thought uh, I, it was kind of a, a little bit what I expected, uh, and then ultimately, you know, Arnold Allen is the victorious uh, guy in that fight, and I, I think he's uh, he's also in a situation. We talked about this a week ago. That's a division that I think when you start to just read the names and where all those guys are at right now. Um, I think Arnold Allen's in a really good position to to get a big fight and to potentially just skyrocket in the rankings. Yeah, man, that was a, that was a really fun fight. Um, two uh, young studs trying to uh, move up in the division. You know, Sadiq Youssef, you know, he's got all the potential. Like we, like we, you can just tell um, he's got the look. Uh, you know, the skills back it up. You know, he's got the power at that division. Um, you know, I thought, you know, of course, I thought Aaron Allen had more more opportunities or more um, skills to win. But, you know, I thought Sadiq, you know, his power was going to be the difference. Um, but, you know, with Arnold Allen being the guy who can who, who can take the fight in other areas, you know, that kind of made me think like, OK, you know, maybe Arnold Allen can uh, actually just, you know, win this fight. So that's what made me pick him, even though I really like Sadiq Youssef. You know, I like his I like his uh, style. He's got really good potential. Um, but you know, Arnold Allen, you know, knowing that he's, that Sadiq is, is powerful, he limited those opportunities for Sadiq to really land and made it really tough for him. So, yeah. you know, Arnold Allen, definitely, he's got something big coming up. Uh, you know, I, and I text you this, I think Arnold Allen could fight Zabit, you know, because, you know, Zabit's just there. There's not really any direction with him. You know, we don't know what, what's happening with Yair. I guess he's on suspension. Yeah. So I don't know if they're just waiting for for Yair to come back. So you give him the beat and Yair, whenever that suspension's over, and then you got Max, who's who just deserves a title shot next. Uh, and then you got Josh Emmett, who's hurt. Jeremy Stevens moved up, moved up to lightweight. Um, Calvin Cater just had a really really tough fight against Max. So you know you don't know when he's coming back. And then like Dan Ige and the Korean Zombie, they just uh, got booked. So. I heard Arnold Allen say he wanted the winner of Dan Ige and and a Korean Zombie, which would be a fun fight I like uh, that as fight. well. But yeah. because but if I'm Arnold Allen, I'm calling out Zabit. You know, if if he's just there, you know, with nothing, and you're just gonna wait, like, you know, why not? Just throw your name out, throw his name out there, and see what happens. Yeah, 
Yeah, I agree. Um, it was it was a massive win for him. And again, uh, you look at that division. Uh, obviously, it's it's a waiting game for Volkanovski and Brian Ortega, who are going to be on tough this year. Max is just kind of like waiting in no man's land. It doesn't make him it makes sense for him to fight anybody, especially somebody that's ranked number ten in that division. When uh, he had two questionable losses to the champ, beat Cater the way that he beat him, and and again he's just he's kind of just in no man's land, waiting on that title fight to happen. Uh, Zabit hasn't fought in a century. Uh, Yair's on suspension. Ige and Korean Zombie have a matchup. Calvin Cater, I, I read uh, the other day, isn't expecting to fight until the end of this year. Josh Emmett is still out with an injury. Um, who else is in that? You mentioned Jeremy Stevens moving up. Burgos and and uh, Edson Barboza are about to fight uh, in, a, in a week. So, yeah, I mean, that division, it's like, where do you go? Yeah, and if I'm Arnold Allen, I mean, the only place to go, you know that Dan, Ige, and Korean Zombie are fighting, so that's, you know... They're both ranked ahead of you, so that's probably the the obvious thing to do. Call one of those guys out, call out the winner, and 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 let's fight. But you know, if you want to aim for the, if you want to just shoot for the stars, man, I'm just like call out the beat, man. You know, yeah. I think he's got a style that can like uh, give him trouble. But you know, I mean, the beat's just sitting there, man. I mean, as a guy who's like right there on the cusp of a title shot. I don't know what you want. What he wants to do next. I don't know if he's just waiting for Yair or if he's just like waiting for Max or waiting for the title picture to clear up. But he hasn't fought in so long that you know it's at the point where you just want to see him fight again. Right. I mean, he can't. He can't just walk into a title shot after being inactive for so long, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's so, in. He's in Leon Edwards' area, right? Absolutely. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then there's the with with Leon. There's obviously who. There's obviously someone in front of him. Like with Kobe, I don't think he deserves a title shot over Kobe at this point. But he's but he needs that name. That's he does if Kobe won't fight here. anybody. That's true too. I mean, I mean that's that's a whole yeah. other discussion. I mean, Kobe, yeah. come on, man, get out there and fight. But yeah, yeah. So same thing with Zabit. At this point, man, like get out there and fight. You know, at this point, you're not gonna get the title shot right right away because that you gotta have the title fight. Then you got Max next. So. Fight somebody, man. Stay active. You know, you don't want to yeah. lose what you've been working so much, so hard to build. So, if if I'm Zabit, just get in there with Arnold Allen and prove your point, and then go from there. Yeah, Julian Marquez over Sam Alvey. This was a, a fun fight. Uh, Alvey hurt Marquez a, a couple times in this fight. I think Marquez controlled the majority of the fight. Um, Marquez, uh, another guy that uh, he gets it right. Like he gets these wins. He gets on the microphone. He he uh, makes a name for himself. The personality shines through. Julian Marquez, not only inside the octagon, but outside the octagon, just understands the whole fight game. And it's two times in a row that he's won fights. He's done impressive things in those fights. And then he kills the mic uh, situation. So, yeah, I, I like Julian Marquez, and I think we're going to continue to watch his ascension. Absolutely. And, and Sam Alvey uh, is, re- is very tough, man. It's hard to put him away. Um, he's fought some of the best guys in the world at 205 and 185. And for Julian Marquez to get him out of there like that when he's fighting uh, some really, really powerful guys, um, that just goes to show the the potential of Julian Marquez. Yeah. Um, and then to, you know, choke him out, you know, have him sleeping. We know, we know how tough Sam Alvey is. And for the fight to end that way, you know, props to, uh, to Marquez. And then, you know, like you said, uh, you know, with the, with the whole call-out situation, I guess, you know, a lot of people just do the same thing. You know, I want this, I want this guy, this mf you know, fight me, you know, all this stuff. 
but he's doing something different. You know, he's doing something that's really unorthodox. And I feel like that's yeah. why it's getting such a big buzz. You yeah. know, he's calling out celebrities. He's calling out Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Yeah, you know, for pickleball. For, for pickleball. Yeah, I love <laughs> like, it. I love it. Who does, like, yeah, who, who does that? So, you know, he's adding just another layer to the call-out game. And, you know, I, I love it. I think it's fun. Yeah. And and look, for, for you know, I, I'm sure that there are uh, there are people that, that – want him to, you know, stay on the tracks and stay just in the MMA thing. But I, I think, honestly, anytime you have somebody like that that's that's uh, kind of shining a light from MMA to the Miley Cyrus world or to the NFL world the way that he – I think it's a good thing for the sport, period. Uh, so, yeah, Julian Marquez, again, I think uh, not only what he's doing inside the octagon, but um, he, he knows how to market himself, obviously. He's uh, he's going to continue to climb. My favorite performance of, of – Last Saturday was Mackenzie Dern over. Are, are we calling her Nina Ansaroff or Nina Nunez now? I know, like I guess you know, sometimes people get married and they they uh, they still go by the name that that made them famous or you know the their fighting name. I've seen on websites it mentioned both ways. I I guess I can just say Ansaroff Nunez, uh, but either way, <laughs> uh, Mackenzie Dern, I fantastic. I've I've uh, I've been very high on her for a while, and look again, she's eleven and one now. Uh, the First round armbar as the clock was ticking down in that first round. Uh, really, really impressed by Mackenzie Dern again. Man, uh, man, like you said, best performance of the night. Uh, she definitely went in there and just completely imposed her will on Nina. Like um, there wasn't really a, a a time where you thought Nina really had a chance, especially once the, the fight went to the ground. Um, Man, Mackenzie's gotten so much better over the course of these uh, last few years, man. Yeah. She came into the sport and there was a lot of hype on her. Um, you know, people were billing her as a future champion. We saw the potential, but then uh, she missed weight by like six or seven pounds. And, you know, everyone was talking about how disrespectful that was to the sport. And then uh, she went and she had a baby. And then uh, I believe she uh, came back and lost to um, Amanda Hibas. Amanda Hebos, yes, we came back and lost to her, and then, but, but since then, but, but let me just say, in that fight, there was there was a lot of talk about Mackenzie Dern doesn't want to get punched. I feel like she squashed that when she went into into that fight. She wasn't even caring about going to going to the ground. She was trying to go out there and and, and stand and bang, and yeah. you know she lost that fight. But I think that fight really really helped her, and like, okay, I can take some shots to the face. So what, you know, and, and since then she's went on a tear and she's just looked incredible. She's, um, but once the fight goes to the ground, there's nothing that anybody has for her. Yeah. I mean, she's just going to slowly work her way towards, uh, any type of submission, whether it's a knee bar, arm bar, uh, rear naked choke, like she's got it all. Um, she's one of the best, uh, jujitsu players in the UFC, man or woman. Um, man. I think she she deserves a big fight next. It sucks that um, everyone's pretty much booked, yeah. but then you know there's one person who's not, and that's Joanna. Uh, and I, and yeah. I heard that I think DC was saying like that's a great fight that he would love to see. I'd love to see that fight too because you know Joanna can't be taken down. You know we've seen a lot of uh, striking wars with Joanna, but I think Mackenzie Darren can get her down and, and make it really tough. So. Um, I think that fight would be fun, and Mackenzie is very deserving of a of a big fight next. Speaking of matchups, I, I know that uh, Amanda Hebos is booked with Angela Hill, but I wouldn't mind seeing Mackenzie Dern Amanda Hebos again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think now that that'd be a great. I think now that would be a great matchup. 
Yeah, I think now that uh, McKenzie is is so well rounded, you know, she she went in into that fight with Nina and and basically was walking her down, you know, yeah. and was was not afraid to go in there and get into a firefight with with Nina. And then when she saw the opportunity to get her down, she got her down. So um, with Amanda Hebas, you know, she's definitely going to bring it. And McKenzie's going to bring it. I would love to see that fight again, too. Yeah. Main card opened up with Daniel Rodriguez, Mike Perry. I, I thought this was going to be, I, I mean, just a scrappy, uh, gutty, back and forth, just kind of, you know, ugly walk through punches to, to get to the other guy type of fight. Um, and look, Daniel Rodriguez, absolutely impressive. I mean, he was dominant as far as the striking advantage over Mike Perry from, from basically start to finish. Yeah, man. I mean, when we when we talked about this fight last week, I mean, judging by their last few fights, both of these guys, it's not anything where it's like very good technique. You know, these guys are like sophisticated strikers. Like we both thought that it was going to be ugly. It was going to be a war that favors uh, Mike Perry, you know, a war, an ugly war that favors everything that he brings to the table. And and his experience and his experience. But you know, Daniel Rodriguez, and I didn't know this, but he said that, you know, he's taken a lot of fights on short notice and, you know, he just kind of goes out there and just, you know, does his thing. Yeah. But, you know, now he kind—he actually just had like more of a camp, you know, more more time to prepare. And now he goes in there against a guy like Mike Perry and, and looks completely different, goes out there and just completely dominates him with the, with the stand-up. It, it wasn't ugly. Uh, it, it was very, very sophisticated. You know, he definitely went out there and, uh, just had his way with Mike Perry for three rounds and was piecing Mike Perry up, man. Like every time a punch yep. would land, you could, you could just feel the impact. Uh, and Mike Perry's face was all messed up, all cut up. And you don't really see that. You don't really see many people do that to Mike Perry. So, you know, props to Daniel Rodriguez, man. He definitely looked impressive. Yeah. So I went three for five on that card. You went four for five. You get an extra point uh, on me on the scoreboard. So we are at 32-28 in the overall standings, which takes us to Saturday night, UFC Fight Night, Whitaker-Gastelum, 6 p.m. prelims, 9 p.m. Central main card. We start in the lightweight division, 8-3, and three, Luis Pena, 6-1, and one, Alex Munoz. Pena is a minus 160 favorite. Alex Munoz plus 135. This one is kind of a coin flip for me, uh, and I think ultimately where I land is I'm going to slightly favor Pena and the experience uh, if I'm picking first. <laughs> yeah, um, man, uh, Luis Pena, definitely he's got the experience advantage. You know, there's not much out there on on Munoz. We know he's tough and everything, but you know, we, there's definitely a lot more to know about uh, Luis Pena. So, I'm also going to go with Luis on the on the opener. All right, we are on the same side of the opening fight. Luis Pena, the favorite. Uh, second fight on the main card: middleweights Abdul Razak Al Hassan and Jacob Malkoon. Uh, once again, I think for me, I, I like this matchup, but uh, I think Al Hassan. Um, the experience overall outweighs things for me here. Um, and, and I, he's a guy that I, I still like feel like we have not seen his best yet. And I feel like that's waiting to come out. Uh, maybe this is the fight that it happens. Uh, Razak Al Hassan for me, minus 300, by the way. Whereas if you take Malcoon, he's plus 240 and you would get the extra point. Yeah, man, look, uh, Al Hassan, he definitely showed a lot of promise uh, early on uh, at 170, but 
it got to the point where that weight cut was just kind of too difficult for him. Um, he missed weight in his last two fights, and it's only right. You know, if you miss weight two consecutive times, you got to move up. It's obviously a problem. And then he didn't look good in those fights at that. So I think this is good for him to move up. And, you know, he, I think he knows, like, you know, if he loses this one, you know, there's a good chance with, you know, the UFC, you know, making these cuts and everything. Like, he, he could be on the hot seat. So uh, this is a big spot for him. And, you know, to be that big of a favorite, he's got he's to gotta answer the call. So uh, I'm also going to go with Al Hassan. All right, our third fight on the main card, heavyweights, Andre Orlovsky, 30 and 20, Will. He has 50 MMA fights on the resume against uh, Chase Sherman, 15 and 6 overall. Um, once again, I think for me in this, um, I, you know, I, I I don't feel like, you know, the last time Andre Orlovsky fought, I took t- Tom Aspo. I felt like the young guy was on the up and up. I felt like he had enough and had enough momentum to get past Orlovsky. I, I don't feel like Chase Sherman is in the same situation as, as Tom Aspinall was. So once again, I think for the third fight in a row, uh, give me the guy that has more experience and looking for the bounce back. I'll take Andre or Arlovsky. Yeah, man. So, uh, Andre's fought in some of the best guys in the world. And at this point in his career, he's just kind of, if you're a young guy and you're looking to move up in the division, you got to get past Andre Arlovsky. He's fought in, uh, so many of these young guys, Tom Aspinall, um, uh, Tanner Bolster before that, you know, he's fighting these these young up and comers who've got a lot of promise. And either, either you know, you're you're a Tom Aspinall, you get that victory, you move up, you yeah. got a lot of promise, or you're a Tanner Bolster who you know you lose to Arlovsky and you got some more stuff to work on. So, um, yeah, I'm 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 at a point where I think Chase Sherman is at a he's at that point where he's just not there yet. This is a, a big step up in competition for him. Agreed. So um, I'm gonna go with Arlovsky as well. By the way, Arlovsky minus 115, Chase Sherman minus 105. So the odd makers have this one about as as close as you can possibly get. All right, our co-main event. Uh, you mentioned this earlier. Jeremy Stevens stepping up to 155. He's moving up to lightweight. Uh, I like this fight. I, I don't know if you saw the uh, confrontation at the weigh-in. Jeremy Stevens pushing Jakar close at the weigh-in, but... Uh, I know I always ask this at the very end, but I'm just going to go ahead and, and tell you, I think this is probably the best fight, uh, the most entertaining, thrilling fight of the night. Uh, Jeremy Stevens again, moving up to 155. He is the favorite in this minus 120. Jakar Close is plus 100. Stevens 28 and 18 overall, so a ton of experience, but uh, going with the underdog for the first time on this card. Give me Jakar Close, 11-2-1. and one. Uh, The last time he fought was that knockout loss against Benil Dariush. Uh, I, I just think that he's a guy that has a lot of power, and when you consider Jeremy Stevens moving up to 155, I think he's going to really feel that power from Close. Yeah, this is a close fight. This, this has Spot of the Night written all over it, uh, absolutely. Uh, both of these guys uh, stand in the middle of the octagon and are willing to go out there and trade. Um, you know, you know, uh, Jakar Close and Benil Darius, that was such a fun fight. You know, Close, you know, it was looking like Close was going to win it. And then Benil just pulls something out of the hat and ends up winning. So, um, I definitely see the potential in Jakar Close, but I am going to go opposite of you for this one. Nice. And I'm going to take Jeremy Stevens, man. Jeremy Stevens. This is this is going to be the I, again. I think this is going to be the funnest fight on the card. Stylistically, it it 
just makes sense. Uh, I, it's going to be a war. And look, it, I would be lying to you if I thought that uh, this thing goes the distance. I, I think one of these two guys oh. is going to be put down at some point. So, Absolutely. Yeah. I, it's it, like they have those odds on like whether the fight, how the fight's going to end, what round and everything. Yeah. I, the odds are definitely in favor of this fight ending probably in the first round. Yeah. <laughs> uh, real quick, thoughts on Stevens and the and the step up and wait to go to 155. Uh, does that concern you at all? Well, um, Jeremy Stevens, he's been in the UFC for a long time, and when I first started watching him, he he fought at 155, and you know he had some pretty big wins. He knocked out RDA at 155, and then you know he moved he moved down and had a solid run. But, you know, I think at this point, I think with a guy like Jakar Close, um, I think that's a winnable fight for him. But I don't think, like, he's got potential to, like, be a, a top contender in lightweight okay. division with how loaded it is. But um, I think for, for this particular fight, I think this is yeah. a good one for him. Because he's still, num- I think, ranked number 9 or 10 uh, at featherweight. So uh, he, he's not done by any means. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I think just stylistically, I think this is going to be an awesome fight. So... Uh, I'll, I'll take the guy that's been fighting at 155 and not the guy that uh, has been taking shots from 145ers and, and uh, going to feel something a little different this time around. So, uh, But I, again, I expect that to be a great fight. All right, our main event, massive opportunity for both Robert Whitaker and Kelvin Gastelum, especially when you consider everything we talked about last week with Marvin Vittori and Kevin Holland. Robert Whitaker is the number one contender in the middleweight division, former champion. He's bounced back in a big way since losing that belt to Izzy. He's 22-5 and five overall. He is a minus 270 favorite in this fight, which surprised me a little bit. I, 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 I thought he would be the favorite. I, I think most people do, but to see it that drastic, I, I thought was a little bit surprising. Kelvin Gastelum, 17-16. and 16. Uh, Will, we talked about this the last time he fought. He was on a three-fight losing streak. He had lost to some some big-time opponents, obviously, but uh, I, I think the question around Gastelum going into that Ian Heinish fight was, is he fighting for his, his UFC career? Um, he looked really good in that fight, did everything that he should have done in that fight. He gets a massive opportunity here. 17-6 and six overall. He is plus 220 in the odds. I do think this is going to be a, a gritty fight. I think uh, this is going to go into the the championship rounds, if you will. Um, I, I don't know that it, it goes the distance. Maybe there will be a finish, but I think it's going uh, a long way. I think we're going to see uh, big opportunities for both of these guys. But ultimately, for me, I, I, Bobby Knuckles is getting a rematch at some point. Whether it's it's Izzy's next fight or maybe he's the fight after. I just I don't see anybody getting in his way right now. Uh, in that division, I think we're going to get an Izzy Robert Whitaker too. So give me Robert Whitaker, Bobby Knuckles over Kelvin Gastelum in the main event. Man, um, a couple years ago, this fight was supposed to be the main event of uh, UFC like 234. Uh, it was supposed to be like a little middleweight tournament. You had Izzy and Anderson Silva on the card, and then uh, you have the big title fight. But unfortunately, this t- uh, Robert got sick on, on the day of the fight, I believe. Um, and back then this fight was really, really tough to call because, you know, Kelvin had looked so good, earned his way to a title shot and he was definitely dangerous to Robert Whitaker. Um, you know, now at this point in their careers, it's a little different. You know, I think Rob has found a new motivation since losing to Izzy. He doesn't really talk about him much. You know, when he does interviews, he just seems like, you know, a real cool, calm, collected guy, you know, doesn't really, he doesn't seem like he takes fighting serious, but when he gets in there, it's completely different. Like you can tell, like, 
Rob is one of the best fighters in the world. And, you know, this is a guy who's went 10 rounds with Yoel Romero and, and, and lived to tell the tale, right? Like, this was when Yoel was at his best, uh, swinging away. Uh, Robert took big shots, and that might have been why he uh, was, wasn't able to take the shots from Izzy. But, you know, Rob, when he was champion, beat Yoel Romero twice and then uh, just happened to come up against uh, Israel Adesanya, which, you know, it didn't end well for him. But I think at this point, you know, he talked about being burnt out for a while. And, you know, now I think he's found that new motivation. And his last few fights with Darren Till and with Jared Cannonier, he's looked better than ever. So, um, you know, Kelvin, he's, you know, that Ian Heinrich fight was a bounce back win for him. But, you know, losses to Jack Hermanson and uh, Izzy and Darren Till, you know, it's, it kind of seemed like he was kind of relying on that on his knockout power. And, you know, he had a really, really good striking match with Israel Adesanya and came out on the um, on the wrong side of it. But, it. but that was one of the fights of the year. Right. So um, I think at this point, I think he's going to look to mix it up a little more uh, in this fight with Rob. And but, you know, as much as good as I think Kelvin is, I think at this point, you know, Rob is just on a he's just on a tear, man. So yeah, I'm going to go Rob. And I, and I want to say that despite me thinking that this is going to be a finish, I think it's just going to go decision and Rob's going to win uh, 49-46 or something like that. And then yeah. we're uh, probably going to get to see uh, the rematch. Yeah, I, I could I could see a finish late. I don't see either one of these guys getting a finish early, though. I think this is going to be a fight that, that uh, like I said, goes into the fourth or fifth. And if, if, if maybe one of them gets a finish then, uh, then so be it. But yeah, I, I think... Uh, this just doesn't seem like the kind of fight to me that, that we're going to see, you know, one of these guys land something big, especially in the early rounds. So, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited for Saturday. I, I like this fight card for the second week in a row. Will we are uh, on the same side of things except for the co-main event. So might be a little strategy in there, but Hey, I like it. Let's go Jeremy Stevens. I like it. That's going to, that's going to be a fun fight. Look, I think for the second week in a row, let's, let's just throw this out there. The only fight we differ on is the fight that I think we both feel like is going to be the most entertaining fight of the card. So, I mean, at least last week, I felt like Yusuf Arnold Allen was going to be the most entertaining fight on that card. So, Yeah, both uh, the co-main and the main event, like both these fights, like you can just tell when you when you read out these names, Jeremy Stevens, Jakar Close, like, you know, that's fun. Like, you know, that both these guys bring it. And then Rob and Kelvin, you know. As you know, Rob is very, very skilled, but let's not take him lightly. Like he will go out there and he'll get a finish. Yeah. You know, he'll he he's good with his uh, leg kicks or I mean with his head kicks and everything. So um both these fights, the co main and the main, you know, definitely try not to look away. I know you'll be looking at two screens, Kobe. Yeah. But try not to look try not to look away. <laughs> well, it depends if if uh, there's somebody Apollo Creed face down in the middle <laughs> of the uh, squared circle. So we'll see. Uh <laughs> Yeah, it, it's going to be a good fight. I, I, I asked myself this question, and, and I try to do this with, with uh, cards like this, especially like in a Jeremy Stevens situation where he's moving up. Fights are obviously made for a reason, and fights are obviously, matchups are made because there's there's generally intent with for, for some something, right? What was the intent with with Close and Stevens? Is, is, was this made for Stevens to have this opportunity to get into a war immediately at 155? Is it, you know, like, so... 
I, uh, I, I don't know where I feel like the intent is on this one other than I just think these guys match up incredibly well and, and are going to bang it out. Yeah, I think that's, that's what went into making this fight. You know, you want to see a fun fight. Um, you look at Jeremy Stevens moving up and you kind of look like, who do you put him, who you put him in there with? You probably don't put him in there with anyone like in the top 15 who's ranked or anything like that. I don't think he's earned that yet. But um, you put him in there with probably the guy who's probably the best style matchup for him. And, you know, you know Jeremy Stevens brings it. Who else brings it? And then you see a guy like Jakar Close and you look at it and you're like, ah, that's a really, really fun fight. So I think that was it was just easy. Like, I think they saw that matchup and they're just like, oh, yeah, that's that's easy money. Co-main, like fun fight. Yeah. Um, it can be three rounds, five rounds. It's not going to last that long. Like these guys are going to go out there and have a slugfest. Um, real quick before I let you run, uh, Bellator 257 tonight. I'm not familiar with the entire card, so I, I'm not going to get picks uh, from you on the whole thing. But I'm curious where you're going in the uh, the main and the co-main. Uh, okay, so for the co-main, Corey Anderson and the uh, the guy with the with the hard name to pronounce. Um, you're gonna give it a go. I feel like you're. I was. I, I like was debating it. it. I was like reading it in my head. Yeah. I, <laughs> well. Yeah. Okay. So, Corey Anderson. I, I feel like I've seen him beat a lot of tough guys in the UFC. Um, but you know, he's his. He lacks that chin. You know, yeah. <laughs> if he takes that shot, he's gonna go to sleep. You know, I think at this point, um, Corey Anderson is starting to is starting to get it as far as you know. I'm gonna use my wrestling. I'm not going to stay standing too long. My wrestling is very elite. So in the co-main, I'm going Corey Anderson. I think he's going to advance uh, and fight Ryan Bader. That's going to be really, a really fun fight. And then um, one thing I didn't realize, so Nimkov is the champion, and basically yeah. he's putting his title on the line every round. Like, he's fighting Phil Davis, and if he loses, Phil Davis becomes the champion. Right, yeah. And then yeah. Phil Davis... So I'm like, wow. So this, yeah, a, this is like a, te- a title fight within the Grand Prix. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like, if Phil Davis wins, he's a champion, and then he just defends it against either Anthony Johnson or Yoel Romero. Right. <laughs> so yeah, and um, then that carries into the yeah the Grand Prix finale. Yeah, I think that's unique. That's very unique. You don't really see tournaments like that ever. So um, I think that's just one uh, really fun thing about Bellator. But as far as that fight. Um, while I think Phil Davis is good, you know, I think Nimkov is on another level, man. I think Nimkov is going to win, and then we're going to really get to see what he's made of against uh, either Anthony Johnson or Yoel Romero. All right, yeah, we're on the same side of both of those, though. Um, Nimkov beat Phil Davis back in 2018. Uh, he also, his last fight was against Ryan Bader. Uh, so, yeah, yeah I mean, and he's on a, a uh, what, seven-fight win streak, I believe? So but I think that'll be a fun fight. And again, it was a split decision win over Phil Davis the first time around. So um, I, I think we will get a good fight. But yeah, I, if I had to if I had to lay points or money on uh, on those two, I think, yeah, I'm, in, I'm on the same side. Nimkov and Corey Anderson. Yeah, and I, and I just feel like, you know, Phil Davis, you know, he's, he's another one of those guys that when he gets to that big fight, you know, he just... It doesn't, you know, it doesn't go well for him. You know, he doesn't, you know, do what he needs to do to, to win. And, you know, he, even going back to his days in the UFC, he always lost that one fight to get to the title shot. So I think it just carried over to Bellator. Um, but, you know, he's, he's, still, he's still a really, really skilled fighter. But, you know, I just think Nimkov just has more uh, tools to win. Yeah. 
All right, man. Uh, we will catch up again next week. Obviously, uh, we are going to be running into our uh, our pay-per-view picks where we have uh, title fights, which means more points available for the winner. Uh, we have the PFL coming up. I think that starts a week from tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll hit that as well. Uh, Rory McDonald and I believe Anthony Pettis are both like the headliners on that first uh, PFL card. So, yeah, we got a, a lot to, to pay attention to. Man, I, I mean, I'll, I'm going to be honest with you. I'll, I'll probably have, like, one eye on that PFL card, but this UFC card coming up, man, I cannot wait for this, man. Like, fans will be back in the arena. Yeah. Like, it's just going to be completely different. Like, we're going to go from having no fans and Apex and Fight Island and everything to back to crowd noise and fans just, you know, back to the spectacular entrances and everything. So I can't wait for that. Um, and then the three title fights, they're as fun as you can get. Um, the entire card is and a be loaded. Fun, yeah, I was gonna say, and a loaded card. I mean, starting, card, I yeah, starting in the prelims. I think it's, uh, yeah, entertaining from start to finish. So, all right, buddy. Uh, we are uh, on the opposite side of the co-main on Saturday night. By the way, do you want to give a Ben Askren, Jake Paul prediction? Man, look, I'm, I'm, I don't know about you, man, but I'm going Ben Askren. I'm going okay. Ben Askren by decision. <laughs> what about you? I will be cheering my ass off for Ben Askren, and I think that when it's when it's over, I'm going to be like, "Damn it, Ben! What did you do?" <laughs> yeah. Oh man, if he gets knocked out, uh, that's going to be. Uh, don't even think about it. Here's the thing. Here's here's what I would say about Ben Askren versus Nate Robinson. Nate Robinson's not a fighter, so I think there's a different mentality. A for guys that are fighters versus non-fighters. I don't think Ben Askren's getting knocked out. He may get completely outstruck in this thing and lose massively on the scorecards, but I think Ben Askren would rather lose every single round in this fight than allow himself to get planted face down. So that's that's my prediction. I I, I think that I, I'd be shocked if Ben Askren left himself open much. I, I completely agree because, you know, Five-second knockout to Masvidal is bad enough, but can you imagine <laughs> what's going to happen if he gets knocked out by Jake Paul, a YouTuber? How about if Jake Paul lands the first punch and it's a KO? I mean, that's... Uh, how do you survive that? Yeah, Ben Ashman might just want to crawl into a little ball and just, you know, never show his face again. By the way, that said, <laughs> I kind of hope that when the bell rings, Jake Paul sprints to the center of the <laughs> ring just because I want to see what Ben Askren's, uh reaction would be. Just what if he's just gonna like cover his like, head, like no, no knees, no, no yeah, knees, right. no. <laughs> yeah, not again, not again, not again. <laughs> All right, oh, good man, stuff, can... man. All right, he my brother, is yeah, Will Brewer. I am Colby Daniels, and uh, we will uh, we'll obviously go over our picks next week. Make picks for the big pay per view card coming, three title fights. But uh, everybody, have a great week. Peace. That is it for this episode of the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, or Delta 8. Whether you're looking for something to help with your pain, your anxiety, or simply an opioid alternative, uh, Artisan Botanicals can help you out. Uh, check out their website, abotanicalcompany.com, and we're saving you 15% when you order online. abotanicalcompany.com, discount code COLBYSHOW at checkout to save 15% off your online order. Once again, abotanicalcompany.com. Everybody, have a great weekend. Stay safe, and I will see you Monday.
The podcast is over.